Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, we've got Pac-12 Football Media Day coming up on Wednesday. Let's talk a little Pac-12 football, shall we? We shall. Uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. I want to remind you, Sprint customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with a flex lease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Joining us, she writes for The Athletic. She's got a piece out there right now, headline, The Pitfalls of Parody, Diagnosing the Condition of the Pac-12 and its Tumble in College Football's Arms Race. Joining us, Chantel Jennings of The Athletic. Chantel, thank you so much for a few minutes. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today, guys. Hey. Are, you, are you tired after putting together uh, this exhaustive piece? It looked like it took <laughs> a lot of work. It did take a lot of work. I will say that for sure. This was a piece that started, you know, anytime as a reporter that you're thinking to yourself, should this be a four-part series or a single piece? You kind of know you're in for the long haul. Um, and my editor and I went back and forth. I initially wrote it as four separate pieces, um, and then we kind of condensed it and, and took some stuff out and moved stuff around uh, to just be one very long, very numbers and stats heavy, lots of charts type of single story. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, Chantel, just want to give a, a shout out to The Athletic for, for giving you the, the kind of freedom to, to do a piece like this. It must be, uh, it must be nice to have their support in this because it, it really is extremely thorough and it's, it's terrific. Yeah, I think, you know, this is sort of, uh, I, I think I tweeted about this the other day, but I've worked at different places and you don't always have sort of the freedom to spend a lot of time on this. I think people read stuff like this and they're like, oh, we want more of this. We want more stats. We want more deep dives like this. You know, I spent probably three weeks focused on this and this alone, um, cranking out very, very few other pieces. Um, my editors can attest to that for sure. And they would call me and say like, you know, when is your next story coming? And I would sort of say, like, you know, I'm I'm ankle deep right now in Pac-12 numbers. I'm currently pouring over defensive line numbers and where these kids are from and where they went to high school and double-checking and triple-checking them. And, um, you know, reporting like this takes a lot of time. And it, it started even before that. I went into the, the season this year um, knowing I wanted to write sort of a 35,000-foot look at the Pac-12 type of piece. And so especially as the season went along and it looked as though present would be passed in terms of the Pac-12 being um, finishing kind of disappointingly among other Power 5 conferences. I just asked every single person I talked to, whether that be coaches, players, agents, assistants, other reporters, um, really informed fans, you know, what do you think is the problem? And I didn't specify anything, kind of let people go in whatever direction they wanted and, um, yeah, I got a lot of different things, obviously, out of that. Some of them 
And again, credit to the athletic, I had to chase down some leads that ultimately I couldn't prove one way or the other. You know, they were compelling, but not super compelling. And that stuff got left on the cutting room floor. But none of that happens unless I'm employed by someone that actually really stands behind their word when they say they appreciate this kind of journalism. So, Chantel... Uh, there, you make a lot of great points through this thing, and let's let's just hit some of them. One that I walked away with is the Pac-12 in football is devouring itself. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, and w- yeah. is this the the fact that uh, that they play an extra in conference game? All that is that good or is it bad? What are we trying to get accomplished here? I mean, it's good for the fan to be able to watch the teams in the league play one another. But if your end goal is to qualify for the college football playoff, is it a good thing to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think the analogy I sort of used the most was if you have two really good runners and one is going to run a 100-meter dash and the other is going to run a 100-meter hurdle race, is anyone going to be surprised when the person running the 100-meter dash wins? You know, why are, you know, why everyone at that point would say, well, of course they won. The other person had hurdles in the middle of their lane rather than just going straight ahead. And you kind of look at college football scheduling, which one Pac-12 athletic director told me, you know, that is sort of the thing that you need to be able to see down the road when it comes to scheduling. We're seeing all, you know, people scheduling games for 2028, 20, 2038, you know, whatever it is. And um Scheduling is really, really important, and going into the playoff era, we knew it was going to be important. We knew that the committee was going to take into account how you performed in your conference, and so is it good that the Pac-12 has scheduled aggressively in terms of how they schedule, in terms of the California schools playing against one another every year, in terms of the fact that USC and Stanford play Notre Dame um, every single year? Yeah, I think as a football fan, you want to see your team sort of stand up like that and make those scheduling calls in that way. Um, But then it's sort of the double-edged sword where if you're going to play better competition, you also can't be as surprised when you give yourself more more opportunities to lose and then you do lose. I like the word in the in the headline, Chantel, diagnosing, diagnosing the condition of, of the Pac-12. And you do a really thorough job in doing that. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with your conclusions. Yet when you hear Larry Scott talk, he'll tell you that nothing's wrong whatsoever. And I know that, that nobody from the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 declined to comment on your piece. But uh, talk about the diagnosis part of the problem and maybe why the Pac-12 is not perceiving it the same way. I think, you know, obviously when it comes to public declarations, you're not going to have a conference come out and say like, yeah, this is a really bad situation. We got ourselves into this mess and we haven't figured out anything with DirecTV and uh, yeah, things are going pretty poorly. Like no one is going to come out and say that you have to put on your PR face when you're making a PR statement. And so, um, you know, I wasn't surprised. I I haven't been surprised by anything the Pac-12 has said in terms of their public-facing image because um, it's just not good business, I guess, to come out and be honest about that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, internally talking talking with people and talking with sources, these are things that worry the conference. It's, it's only been five years since the playoff, and all of these things have proved to be problems. If there is not a fix on the horizon it's probably a pretty safe bet that it's going to continue to be problems. Some of them 
scheduling, for instance, finances, those are things that the Pac-12 can fix. But I think, honestly, one of the things that I thought was um, most interesting and really most troubling when I talked to coaches and recruiters across the conference for my piece was sort of those defensive line numbers, like football participation in the West Coast is declining. But also when you look historically at the players, specifically on the defensive line that come out of the Pac-12 recruiting territory, they are not as highly rated as those players elsewhere. And I went, you know, just to check, I, you know, I checked wide receivers, I checked running backs, I checked some skill positions. You know, the Pac-12 footprint has a ton of quarterbacks, but they do not have defensive linemen at that level coming out of high school that you find anywhere else in the country, especially the Southeast. So is it surprising that in an era in which often the best run defense, the best pass defense, or the best pass rushers win national titles or at least get to the playoff Um, Is it surprising that their concentration of talent is the Southeast? Probably not. One of the things that you discuss in here, and it's, again, money-oriented, because obviously if you have more money, you have more money to spend on on things that could work uh, to your advantage. One thing I didn't know, Chantel, that Alabama has 19 football consultants and the University of Utah has two. Uh, and if you want to make a comparison as far as money goes, sometimes it doesn't really relate. Oregon only has, what, four? I mean, what's going on here with these consultants? And that is a big advantage, is it not? Yeah, it's, um, I'm trying to remember exactly. I know it's, you, you know, thinking even in terms of recruiting, you look at Clemson, I think they had 10 staffers, not everyone full-time, but um, devoted to simply recruiting, <laughs> like, you know, and then you look, I, I pulled FOIA documents from UCLA, and when Chip Kelly was hired, they had two guys and a volunteer running their recruiting department. And, and you think about when you're trying to turn around a program when you're a new coach, is there anywhere more important to make a great first impression than on the recruiting trail with recruits, with potential players and their parents and their families and their high school coaches? No, but when you have 30% of the power, the manpower, the woman power, the recruiting power of these other schools that are winning championships. Again, I, I think the, the thing I just kept coming back to as I was doing all of this research and coming to these conclusions and sort of diagnosing the issues, um, I guess I was just looking at the numbers and the facts and the quotes and saying, you know, is it surprising given X, given Y, given Z? And just time and time again, I said, no, it's it's not surprising that the Pac-12 has fallen behind, given the fact that their recruiting offices are less staffed than elsewhere, given the fact that there are fewer defensive line, elite defensive linemen recruits out West, given the fact that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of stability in terms of coaching staff in the Pac-12. On that note, Chantel, and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I was going to ask you about coaching, and, and you point out that uh, consistency of head coach, uh, head coaches has been um, a factor for these blue blood programs that are always on top, and you point out that there also has been a lot of turnover in the Pac-12, as, as we all know, even going down to programs such as USC, which has, has certainly been a mainstay. So how much of this do you think is schools finding the right coach and holding on or giving that coach the, the time to establish himself? Um, probably all the above. You know, I don't, I, there's, I think since, gosh, since the start of the playoff 
I believe only four of the 12 Pac-12 coaches have been in place. I might not be 100% right on that. Don't quote me on that. I did not do research. Um, Just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think right now. I think it's four, though. Um, And you look elsewhere, and, and it is a lot of different things. I mean, I live in the state of Oregon, and I was covering Oregon really closely um, during uh, Helfrich's last few years, and I saw a staff that went to a national title game, and a few years later, they're unemployed. So I think there is sort of this what-have-you-done-for-me-lately mentality in college football, which is fair. It's the expectation, you have to live up to that. Um, I think there have also been other sort of interesting fits or maybe hires that have been made um, that didn't make a ton of sense and then sort of panned out that way as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's no sort of cover all band-aid for coaching. And I think if you can figure out how to hire the perfect coach at the right time for a college football program, you could probably make yourself a lot of money being a, a consultant. Chantel, another area you got into a little bit was, uh, declining attendance at college football games. And I thought it was really interesting. The point you made that, yeah, that's happening around the Pac-12, but uh, eight of the 12 Pac-12 markets have are pro markets, and that that is competition against a, a formidable competitor, as it was, as it were, and uh, that's difficult for these teams out here, as opposed to, I don't know how many pro football teams there are near Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, if you think about any person, if, if you don't have an excess of money, if you only have a, a certain amount of money to spend in your budget on um, on fun, on things that you want to do in your free time, uh, are you going to buy season tickets to every single sporting team in your city? Probably not. You're going to pick the uh, maybe the team that you have the most like historic allegiance to if you grew up a certain fan or you're going to pick the team that's done the best recently, maybe, which, again, that doesn't go super well for a lot of Pac-12 teams. Um, and so there is that problem in terms of if you look at the SEC or even the Big Ten, you know, I, I went to the University of Michigan. There is nothing happening on a fall weekend in Ann Arbor other than, like, the farmer's market when it's, when it's Michigan football season. That's, that's the only thing. But if you live in Portland, Oregon, which is where I live right now on a Saturday during the duck season, you would have no idea that college football is happening. And that's not because there's a ton of other markets here. You know, we don't have a baseball team. We have a basketball team and soccer teams up here. We don't have a football team. But that sort of gives you the idea that in a lot of these markets, in the Big Ten and the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12, the only thing happening really from August until December in a lot of these markets is college football. And so when you look at that money in your bank account and you think, how am I going to spend this? Um, it's, it might be on college football. And I think the other thing to think about is just it is so expensive. A lot of the cities uh, in the Pac-12, if you're looking at Los Angeles, which has two schools, the Bay Area, which has two schools, Seattle, those are three of the most expensive cities to live in and to visit in the country right now. And that's almost half of your Pac-12 schools. And so on top of wanting to maybe see your team play and wanting to see your team play on the road, you're sort of counting the money and saying, okay, flying to this city, renting a car, renting a hotel room, whatever it means, um, it's not cheap. It's not an inexpensive experience 
or a single person or if you're going to bring a friend or your family or kids, whomever. Um, yeah, and those are sort of things that we don't think about them often, right? When everyone gets mad about the Pac-12, it's, you know, no one's thinking about, all right, well, on the scale of how expensive it is to visit these cities, what is it that is hindering people from visiting stadiums, from going to games, from getting on the road and following their teams and really becoming these diehard fans that maybe in other conferences, there's just, again, to use the analogy, there's fewer hurdles in the lane for for teams and other conferences. Yeah, Jake and I were talking about this earlier. It's, is it Maybe it's a, a healthy sign that uh, beyond the expense, the interest, that people are diversified out this way. They, it's, they don't live and die for college football. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I suppose it's who you ask. You know, I'm guessing that Larry Scott would prefer that people live and die for college football. Um, but for, you know, a lot of my friends that live up in Portland, they they don't care about Oregon Ducks football. They don't know when that team is playing or if they're ranked in the college football playoff uh, rankings. They don't they don't know that stuff because there's just other things going on in these markets. And so it's, again, uh, really dependent on who you ask. But if you ask that same question, I would assume in Tuscaloosa, you might get a very different answer. Chantel Jennings with us from The Athletic, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Chantel, this goes outside of the scope a little bit of, of what you wrote about. But given all this that we're talking about right now, is there any pressure on Larry Scott internally to fix some of this stuff? I mean, have you gotten sense uh, if the, the chancellors and presidents are grumpy at all? Um, yeah, I think there's pressure on him to fix stuff. Uh, the only discussion that's really come about the Pac-12 in the last few years is what's wrong. And I think if you're running any organization at any level, you know, that's if the only thing people are asking is what's wrong. Like you could run a a T-ball team. And if all of the parents are asking what's wrong with the way this team is being managed, you might have some issues with how you're running that team or how long you're going to be running that team. So um, I think he's aware in terms of the Pac-12 media days being this week down in L.A., they're on Wednesday. I wouldn't expect the um, sort of the approach from the Pac-12 conference to be any different. They will continue to highlight the championships that were won in non-revenue sports. They will downplay um, the struggles of football, basketball. I assume they will highlight a lot of the great individual performances made by athletes. And I think, you know, that that is something to champion. If you're looking for uh, successful Pac-12 sports, you know, I, I highly suggest Utah women's gymnastics or Oregon women's basketball. Um, but those aren't necessarily the best indicators for the health level of a conference. I think that comes back to football and basketball. So, I think that'll continue to be downplayed. We can expect that a lot of the non-revenue sports um, and those sort of comments will come up this week from Larry Scott and anyone else from the network who speaks. So, so an attendant question with that one is, as you were doing this research and as you're walking away from this project, Chantel, what, what, are, your, what, what are your gut feelings on what the future holds? Well, I'd like to take a nap. Um, but, um, you know, there's it's hard, right? Because 
some of the issues that I, I diagnosed, you know, I'm not the first person to point out the fact that there's more money for assistant coach pay in other conferences, that um, the parity, which has been championed by a lot of people in terms of the Pac-12, isn't a good thing necessarily in the playoff era. Um, but then there's a lot of issues, again, that like Larry Scott cannot fix the fact that Seattle the Bay Area and Los Angeles are really expensive cities. He can't fix the fact that if you want to go to a game at Autzen Stadium in Eugene, you need to fly to Portland, rent a car in Portland, drive two hours, pay for that gas, pay for that car rental, um, and then drive back. You know, that those aren't issues that the conference itself can fix. Um, and in terms of attendance as a whole, you know, that's that's an issue that all of college football is facing right now. All of sports really are facing right now. And so there there are issues that I think the conference can fix. There are issues that I think college football can fix if, if they decide to really play on a level playing field and say everyone's going to play this many conference games and a championship game and whatever. Um, you know, there, there are ways that the system can help this. Um, but I, I don't expect the conference to be able to fix the fact that there aren't elite defensive linemen west of the Mississippi River, basically, um, and that finding one of those is rarer than finding, like, a leprechaun and a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. You know, those that's not something that Larry Scott and people at the Pac-12 can fix, even though it's a huge reason, I believe, why the Pac-12 is falling behind five years into the playoff. Chantel, we can't thank you enough for jumping on with us and giving us a few minutes. Uh, We really enjoyed the piece and would encourage all of our listeners to give it a read. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Chantel. Chantel Jennings. Again, the uh, the headline at The Athletic, the pitfalls of parity diagnosing the condition of the Pac-12 and its tumble in college football's arms race. Uh, Chantel Jennings. You know, she brings up the expense of those markets and how there might be limited funds to be spent. But I guess the flip side of that, Jake, is that those markets have a lot of money in them. Yeah, but uh, for your everyday fan, uh, we have a, a tweet here from Jaron who says, uh, look at the market and where these people live. Uh, the West Coast is some of the most expensive places to live. People can't afford to go to games when they have to make sure their million-dollar two-bedroom house is paid for. Well, I mean, I, I can't comment on how the budgeting is going in these homes, but I do know that you know if you're, if you're working out of a smaller town somewhere, you would say, what would be the complaint? Hey, there's not enough sponsorship money there's not enough oomph there's not enough financial firepower for my program to be successful here well down in la yeah it's more expensive but you have more rich people down there well guys like you i'm sure when you're trying see, to pack a ninety thousand seat stadium that's a you know an issue seattle san francisco i mean these places yeah they're expensive to live but they have a lot of money in those markets. I, I think it runs beyond that. And she obviously was just mentioning that one thing. There's a bunch of factors here. It's expensive being rich. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, you you get the whole top one percent having most of the disposable income. You know, one percent that implies fewer number of people, right? Oh, that's not true. It's there's not, a lot of roads exactly to maintain down there too. It's Jake. not just one percent. I mean, there's a bunch of people who have. I'm not saying that everybody has money. A lot of people have resources in those markets. 
and uh, you would think there'd be enough to fill the stadiums up. There are other problems going on here, and and she, that was just one of the items she was pointing at. Mm-hmm. I find it fascinating. I, I don't think it's necessarily a horrible thing that football isn't the end all be all in the Pac-12 markets. Now, right. there's also those pro teams, though, that there is a division of interest uh, that might be within the, uh, the the sort of subset of football, but there's a lot of other stuff to do, too. And well, I, not, not for these money people that you're talking about. They can hit the Giants on Friday, the, the Cardinal on Saturday, and uh, the Niners on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, but what man? if they want to go to the beach on Saturday afternoon, what happens if they want to go to a play? What happens if they want other? They they they're cherishing other forms of entertainment. Well, what if they have to go yachting, Jake? Right. I mean, but these people that we're talking about, they'll buy the tickets anyway, and then just do the other thing, right? That's what I'm told. It's always got to come down to this class warfare, doesn't it, Jake? <laughs> On this show, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I suppose. <laughs> Joining us now, he is Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, uh, ED can affect anyone regardless of your financial status in life. <laughs> That's true. That, that is true. We see all different kinds of types. Um, our clinic in Murray, we've got a new breakthrough treatment called acoustic wave therapy or shock wave. Basically, that sounds a lot worse than it is. Uh, (laughs) Basically, it's a device that is just placed on top of the skin, um, gently opens up the blood vessels in this part of the body. So more blood flow, more natural function in the bedroom. Um, A lot of guys having really negative side effects. I think uh, I've been surprised patients come in and say, am I the only one getting headaches or am I the only one that has blurred vision from this stuff? It is so common, um, lowers your blood pressure to sometimes dangerous levels. We get guys off of medication. That's what we do. So if you've got erectile dysfunction, you're sick of the medication, or you don't want to take the medication, these treatments can get you back on track. And you, you said a, a word there, normal. Get back get back to normal. You don't have to, to pre-plan and, and jump through all these hoops. You can get back to how it was. Right. Guys come in and they say, you know, I want it to work like when I was maybe in my 30s, when you know it was just normal. Maybe it's not a teenager again. But uh, that's what this does. It gets you back to normal function and really quite quickly. Sometimes guys see a little bit of a result off of one treatment. They'll typically do a few, but one treatment, they start to say, whoa, something's happening here. And then it progressively gets better for a couple weeks, and then you're done. Not something you have to do every year or every quarter. Um, We've seen the results last upwards of 10 years plus with this treatment, which is pretty cool. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000 is the number to call, and you've got a great deal for our listeners right now. We do. If you feel like you've got ED, you want to avoid the meds, give us a call right now. We'll do the initial doctor's assessment, exam, blood flow ultrasound, which, which by the way, checks for kind of blockages in the blood. Uh, totally free. Uh, there's no obligation. Um, this is not a, a sales pitch of any kind. You will sit down with a medical doctor. He'll go through your history and tell you where you're at. 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. I'm going to make a proclamation to the world, and you can hang it up in your living room. You can frame this proclamation, Yach. I've got an all-time proclamation I'm willing to make based on potential. Are you ready? I'm ready. The Conley-Mitchell tandem has an opportunity to be the best backcourt in jazz history. Oh, Stockton and Hornacek, move over. Yes, the two of them, best backcourt combo in Utah jazz history. Catch DJ and PK more. 
mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. May I have your attention, please? You're locked on to The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. put it pretty much blunt because I think that's the way you deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you I was there the night that uh, Cush coached his last game. Mm. I was there when Daryl Rogers beat Marcus Dupree. Yeah. I was there in the Sun in the Rose Bowl in 1987. Mm. So, I mean, I've been there. Yes. And I tell these guys and I work in Salt Lake now and they get on me, you know, uh, why, why isn't ASU better? I said, well, every coach since John Cooper has been fired. Yeah. It's, it's simple. Since 1987. No consistency. Yeah. What, I, makes, I, what makes you different? Oh, I can't wait to see Coach Edwards on Wednesday. PK, Hans, myself, we're going to be down in L.A. for Pac-12 Media Day, and we're scheduled to talk to everybody, so including Herm Edwards. You think folks are ready for uh, college football? Oh, yeah. Don't you get that sense? Here we are. What is it? The 22nd of July? Not that far off. At the Utah-BYU game, what, five weeks? I hope it's I hope it's a good season for everybody. It has the potential to be a really good season for Utah, certainly Utah State and BYU, maybe at different levels, of course. But I, I think there's an opportunity this year to have real positive vibes around all the major programs in the state. I don't want to leave out Weber State either. Jay Hill's still got a rolling up there, and he's returning a really great team. So um, it, it has the, the potential to be a really fun college football season. I'm excited for it. Aren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess okay. Let's let's take it program by program, and we've done a little bit of this sort of thing in the past. But if I were to say to you, Jake, name me not necessarily the most important thing or the biggest thing or anything, but the first thing that comes to mind, you're curious to see Utah, BYU, Utah State. Utah, can they live up to the the hype? Well, that's the biggie, isn't it? Yeah, there's a big time hype. Can BYU uh, take the next step with uh, with a player that appears to be on his way to being a pretty dynamic quarterback. Or you could ask, is that shoulder healed? Which is a huge deal. And I guess I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to be ready to go. But that by no means is is any sort of given. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm knocking on wood for his sake because that's not easy what he's going through right now. So I'm hoping that that's something that we get to see. And then with Utah State, I mean, Jordan Love, man. Yeah, my question is, will that offensive line give him the time he deserves to be the great player that he is? I think he's going to be dealing, man. I, I think you bring up a, a really good concern. I mean, uh, but I think he's really, really good. Can he overcome those sorts of things and, and duplicate or exceed what he did last year? Because he'll have to overcome a little bit. He doesn't have as many targets, uh, the line, as you mentioned. I mean, it's not going to be easy, but I, I think he's that good. It's it, football is. So, I mean, you can be a great player, and if you don't have the help around you, you need. There's no way you're going to uh, live up to your potential. We'll see. I mean, I've heard people say our oh, programs they live and die with the quarterback or all this, you know. I mean, and it's if you don't have the protection up front, I don't know how great. I don't care how great your quarterback is, he's going to be on his back. Well, I know you're down on Jordan Love, but I'd rather have the. I'm quarter- not down on him. I'm kidding. I'd rather have the quarterback than the other stuff. If I had to choose one or the other, give me the well, quarterback. Well, my point is you can't you, I get your point. You can't have the one without the other. But if I'm going to start with one, 
give me QB one, man. Uh, I would I would go with uh, uh, quarterback first and offensive line second. All right, and, and of course the the tandem. I mean the the matching of those two things is pretty powerful stuff but in I modern mean, football. What is why do you think? What's the number one reason Utah has not had a conference championship team thus far? I took uh, it took. I know what you want me to say, but it took Utah a long time to stack the talent in uh-huh. that program. Okay, but. That's not the answer. No, the answer is you that you want me to say is quarterback play because that is the answer. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, but there are programs that have had really good quarterbacks, but they didn't have all the good stuff that Utah has had either. And so that you know that's my point. It's a team game, and you've got to have multiple bases covered. And the last Pac-12 champion without a dynamic quarterback was? I don't know. It's going back a ways. I mean, I guess it depends on how you'd classify Jake Browning, but he he, he put up a lot of numbers for a lot of years there. Yeah, he got worse as he went. Yeah, he was really good as a sophomore, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, Andrew uh, Luck, Marcus uh, Mariota. You know, you know, you know I'm uh-huh. not going to, yeah. Undercut the importance of a of a really good quarterback. I'm just saying that. Like it no, I'm just saying a really good quarterback isn't going to be really good without help. Well, it's that chicken and the egg theory. But Tom Brady has made a lot of hay with a lot of average receivers. That's the example you always use. And but, it's always okay, true. Give me another one. Uh, let's see. Uh, in recent memory, now you're putting me ever. on the spot here. What do you mean ever? When does it happen where you have a great quarterback who is great despite having a crappy offense or having a crappy coach or having a crappy defense or having all three? I don't know. Apparently Aaron Rodgers had a crappy coach. (laughs) Apparently he was mad at him. Yeah. Well, it's just my point is that it all goes hand in hand. And I love it how you just dismiss the Patriots like there are some flash in the pan. Well, I or think something. there's more there than just Tom Brady. It's pretty much just Tom Brady. Tom Brady had one of the best tight ends in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. He did. He also was plenty successful before that tight end got there. Well, he had a great. He had one. He had the best coach of all time. How good was Wes Welker when he left? He had the best coach of all time. Does that matter? It matters. Sure. He had some guys. Is he the best coach of all time because of Tom Brady? Mm. You know, the more I argue with you, the more you're turning into PK. (laughs) You keep moving. You're like, you know what you're like? It's like Robin Hood over here ready to fire off my arrows. And what are you doing? You're pulling the target left, right, up, down, all over the place. Or am I using the shield of rightness and you're just (laughs) struggling because, you know. Shield of rightness. I'm right. (laughs) What is Shield. So does Gordon have the sword of truth? No. No. Okay. <laughs> the the oh, arrow of uh, incorrectivity. Ah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So all you need is a great quarterback. You don't need nothing else, folks. Give me the quarterback, man. Get out of the town. You need a lot more than that. Patriots have turned over that team like 19 times. What's yeah, the one constant? Yeah, yeah, what have they done? They, because they have a great coaching staff, what they do is they put the right guy in the right place to make it all work. You, Brady, go throw that touchdown. 
I told him to do that. Of course, you're so simple-minded sometimes. And stubborn. Naz, give me a call later. We'll compare notes. It's like Phil Jackson. You, Jordan, go score that basket. I told him to do that. That's what makes me great. (laughs) All right. I want to remind you to join us tomorrow from ARUP Blood Services from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. It takes only 30 minutes and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and we have a ton of jazz gear to go around as well. So drop by and see us coming up tomorrow. We're doing some good, Gordon. We're saving some lives. Good. Yeah. I love doing that. Or helping at least. Not Sports Port. Straight ahead. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. The North, I think, is tougher. I'm going Washington 1. What? Yeah. What breaking news? Hit the sounder. Call the presses. Inform Congress. Justin Herbert has been broken up with. In this moment, the man who has a Justin Herbert bedspread, poster, wallpaper, bath towel. And yes, it's on the ceiling. Right. Uh, (laughs) First thing you see when you wake up, last thing you see when you go to bed. Justin Herbert. No more. You're tearing it down and putting Chris Peterson up? Saw him this morning. You know. Chris Peterson? No, Justin Herbert. Oh, as you said goodbye to him? Still the man crush, yeah. As you, as you said, hey, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's not you, it's Washington. <laughs> wow! Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh! Check this out. And now, your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850. You'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, it is time now for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Real quick before we do that, though, Gordo, we had a visitor during the break and uh, brought some gifts for the three of us, uh, Austin, uh, you, and myself. A shout-out to loyal listener Dwight, who who's active on our open mics. He interacts with the show all the time. And Gordon... He, he just uh, he sent us a little note uh, for each of us, uh, talked about how he appreciates the show and has fun with us uh, each and every day, and included tie-dye T-shirts for the three of us. How about that? That is so interesting because over the weekend, I saw someone with a tie-dyed shirt on, and it reminded me of you, and I thought, I need a tie-dyed T-shirt. Well, I now you've got one, one of those. And then it's a miracle right here in front of us. Dwight sends it to us. Good-looking colors, Beautiful. too. Yeah, I love mine. Um, mine will uh, accentuate, accentuate my my physique, too, because it kind of comes down in a certain manner. I need all the help I can get. How's yours? Hold yours up. Love Let me it. see it. Yeah. Oh, that is you. Yeah, right? I wore tie-dye all weekend. This is going This is going right into the- Yeah, yours the, does that, too. I like the pattern there. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's going right into the rotation. Thanks, Dwight. What a stud. We have the best listeners, man. 
uh, you know, it's uh, we go out on remote a lot, and we get a chance to meet all of our listeners, and well, as many as we possibly can, anyway. And it's just, I, I, I gotta, I can't say this enough. It's a lot of fun, and we really appreciate the support for the show and the station, and it's just really great. Thanks a lot, Dwight. Austin got one too. Austin, let's see yours. Mine is a uh, green. Oh, beautiful! Mostly, and it is. It is amazing. He says in the letter, he's not sure if I'll wear it. You better believe I'm going to wear this thing out. Let's see that. Yeah, this is is a beautiful, handmade, by the way. Yeah. And he said not to drop the name of his company, but I'm going to anyway. Dwizzledie.com. So there you go. He told me not to, but I broke the rules. He says not a ploy, a marketing ploy. This is just, apparently he... He does this at various what do you call them festivals? Yeah, he does right? festivals and stuff, and doesn't you know? Terrific. You've you've tied dyed things, right, Jay? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite the process. Yeah, it's not it? easy. Uh-uh. So thanks, Dwight. This is awesome. I I told you the we uh, just turned into the Grateful Dead, didn't we? I like it. Yeah. I told you uh, the story about my the pocket squares at the wedding. Did Did you know about this story? Where my brother, we had the idea to tie dye the pocket squares for the for the uh, groomsmen and and everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he did all this nice job, but he tie dyed silk. The pocket squares were silk. Nice. And so when he undid it, though, all the colors didn't stick. So what what did it look like? He had to do a last minute find some cotton pocket squares and do a last minute uh, tie dye job. But right. anyway, uh, thank you, Dwight. That is that is so cool. Yeah. I will uh, absolutely wear it uh, wear it proudly. That's and great. the note is really nice. It too. is saying essentially, "Ain't no good guys, ain't no bad guys." They're just you and me, and we disagree. Did he quote that in, in no, your? No, but oh. he said, he said, what did yours say? Uh, I don't know. You you read me yours. Though I often disagree, I hope this isn't private. Though I often disagree with you and question your judgment at times. You and me both, Dwight. I have so much respect for you and the work you do and have done. Though my basic nature is to tease you, I'm resisting right now because it's partly because you're such a good sport when the heat comes. I do think you are a marvelous host and journalist. This man goes on from there. Very nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Very nice. Dwight, thank you. Made my day. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to a little not sports, shall we, Gordon? Where are we going? Okay, a couple things real quick. The first thing uh, is, (laughs) I don't know what to make of this, Jake. And it is slightly sports-related, but not really. It is a story that the grand champion lamb at an Ohio county fair or something uh, was taking illegal drugs. It is the grand champion. Of what? Just the, Of the- lambs. Just like the like a, a prized lamb, like a prized pig. Yes, we're not talking like mutton busting or something. No, but it was taking a, a, a performance enhancing diuretic, which is banned from competition because it makes the animal's muscles feel leaner. And the the lamb was being showed by a young kid at a four a four H member. You're out of there! Come on, what are we doing here? Okay. I know everybody wants to be appreciated. I know everybody wants to be the best. I know everybody's motivated to have that that grand champion lamb. But uh, but to cheat doing it, do we really have we descended this low? Okay, so let me ask you this: We have a, a member on staff who was a member of the 4-H growing up. We who do. used to do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Goes by the name of uh, Scotty G. Uh, we have another one too. Who's that? Uh, one who goes by the the uh, initials David James. 
DJ was in 4-H? Really? I don't know if he's 4-H. He's in one of those clubs. Is there a, is there a competitor to 4-H? I don't know. He was in one of those clubs. I can't remember. <laughs> there's, com- there's competitors to 4-H? <laughs> they have like turf wars and stuff? Well, I, Like me, the Sharks and Jets? Let me say, I, I know Scotty used to do this sort of thing growing up, and I 100% could see him doing this. <laughs> well, didn't he cheat at like uh, the... Uh, the Pinewood Derby. Pinewood Derby. Yeah, right. So he, was, he was like uh, adding extra weight to it or something, uh-huh. so it would win. Who doesn't do that? <laughs> so can't we all just see Scotty G pumping a little diuretic into the old uh, uh, show lamb? <laughs> I mean, he stabbed his brother with a pitchfork. He's going to do what it takes. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention real quick, and Austin, you brought this to my attention uh, on on Twitter. I saw you sent something out. It's the it's the movie coming out with Tom Hanks as uh, Mister Rogers. What's the name of the, the flick? A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I guess the trailer came out today. It, it was, it's going to be good. It touched you? Yes. Because Tony I and I it. were talking about how you've always been critical of Mr. Rogers. Yes. But because you guys have brought the. I wasn't critical of him. Eh. I just. You said that he made everyone soft. Well, yeah, because I didn't really, I didn't watch him when I was when I was young. Uh, but but uh, when I did watch him, I thought he was a little on the soft side. But I've come to, I've come to appreciate his kindness. You know, his saving the world and making saving it a better world. place. And I watched the other movie on uh, Mr. Rogers. What was that thing called? Uh, that was "Won't You Be My Neighbor." That you was a documentary. Were, you yeah. and I were the only ones on the planet that saw it. No, That's a lot true. of people saw a lot it. Of, did you see it? No, not but in, it was popular. A lot of people missed it in theater. We saw it in theater. You okay, and I yeah, did. I did. Uh, but this, I did not know that this was coming out, but uh, Tom Hanks is, is going to knock that out of the park, I think. Although on the trailer, when I saw him do certain things, it reminded me a little bit at times uh, as uh, his character is Forrest Gump. Just saying. Wow. What is that supposed to mean? Wow. I don't know. It's not wow. saying anything. Uh, is that a shot at yeah, Forrest what? Gump, no. at Mr. Rogers, no, at no, Tom Hanks? No, no. It's, it, it, at it, everyone? It just, it just is. But uh, I look forward to that. I think in our day and age where uh, – and, and this is where I've really changed my tune on this, Austin. I think there's real usefulness for what Mr. Rogers, Fred, is that his name, was trying to get across. To, wait a second. That everybody wants to be appreciated. Everyone deserves to be loved. Everyone deserves to have a friend. Everyone deserves to be treated the way a human being should be treated. Are you calling uh, Tom Hanks typecast? No. Is that is that what you're saying, that, that Tom Hanks can play one role? Are you hearing this, Austin? They're one of the greatest actors of any generation. Uh, Gordon's saying uh, he plays the same role over and over again. He ain't no Lawrence Olivier. What's the matter with you over there? But, but he's good. He's better than Lawrence Olivier. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. Lawrence Olivier was For one, one he does his movies in color. <laughs> and they're movies, not talkies. Uh, anyway, my, my, my real, point is... My, my quick reaction, I think it's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes before you forget that that's Tom Hanks. Right, right. But I think he'll eventually get it. Which yeah. is the goal, obviously, with any, uh, with any actor. But I, I'm actually... I am. I'm looking forward to that. You guys have really helped me come to a new level of appreciation for Mr. Rogers because I never watched him when I was younger. And when I did watch him, I was probably in those years when you think, you know, it's okay being tough. Mr. Rogers was kind of soft. He was a little on soft side, but I, but I understand it now. I get it. Our world needs that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. Right? 
Who's with me on this? Everyone is. You're, Every, you're there's nothing with wrong everyone. with being soft except for we have Andrew here. <laughs> no, bad. Oh no! That's come not. On. That's not gonna make the airwaves, Gordon. Are you kidding? <laughs> but now everyone's gonna think I said something are, perverse. Are you? Here did comes the say program director. <laughs> We're all having a good time. Then we got to talk about some um, man dying. <laughs> Joining us now in studio from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt. Andrew, it was okay. We have a billboard it? that uses that language, actually. Really? On Fifth South, it says "Gone Soft?" Question mark. And we've had a couple complaints. See? <laughs> They've had complaints. <laughs> a couple? You're not going to please all the people all the That's time? That's true. That's true. Uh, listen, and we're when here. When you go see Andrew, if, you know, then you're going to please the ones you love. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's help our listeners, Andrew. Uh, help uh, them get a little spark back in their relationship. Yeah, we're treating a lot of erectile dysfunction. Um, guys have been turning to the medication, injections even. Uh, a lot of guys, and this is kind of trendy lately, I've noticed, is that when a guy gets ED, he thinks, I am, I'm low on testosterone. Um, so he goes and sometimes takes testosterone to a dangerous level, uh, raises the blood pressure, and it really isn't all that connected to ED. I think that's kind of surprised me, too. Um, our treatments, acoustic wave therapy, open up the blood vessel. So it's kind of a physical solution, not a hormonal or a medication solution. Uh, the root cause of the problem, not a Band-Aid, and a long-lasting fix. So natural spontaneity, no medication. And with the medication comes a ton of side effects. You don't have to put up with that anymore. The headaches and the blurred vision. Um, you can't mix uh, medication, so a lot of guys are stressing if they're on heart medication, for example, or blood pressure medication, some of the pills uh, for ED are not safe. So we, we get guys off. You know, if the medication worked, we wouldn't exist. Um, they come in and, and want to get off of it, and that's exactly what these treatments do. 801-901-8000 is the number to call, and you're uh, breaking out a great deal for our listeners. We are. So if you think you have ED, uh, give us a call right now. Those that do will get an initial doctor's exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound to test for any blockages in, in blood flow, which can, can cause ED. That'll be totally free. It's about 30, 45 minutes with the doctor where he can really dive into you and your medical history and see where you're at. There's no cost and no obligation whatsoever. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. All right, coming up next, we'll continue to talk some college football. Dennis Dodd was on with Hanson Scotty, of course, a great national college football writer for CBSSports.com. Uh, brought up a bunch of interesting stuff. We're going to play some highlights for you coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.